Hello and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and as always, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people who are truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space, and we get to hear their stories. Now, today's guest is a New York University grad who helped co-found the digital marketing and design firm known as Happy Cog, where he serves as president. He's Matthew Weinberg. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really excited to be here. And we're excited to talk to you. Now, Tell us a little bit about Happy Cog. What is that? Happy Cog is a full-service digital agency. That Mm. means we do pretty much anything a client would want us to do related to their websites and their apps and their digital integrations. Uh, We're focused on development, design, and marketing. All right. And you co-founded this. Uh, How long have you guys been in in business over there? I co-founded it with my high school friend uh, over 20 years ago when I was in high school. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back there then. Let's take us back. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing maybe right before you decided to set out on your own. What, what kind of uh, experience did you have going into this? So my high school friend and I, we were nerds. We were looking to make some, some money. We loved computers. And we started a, a small business just doing like IT support for local businesses, you know, setting up exchange servers or whatever it was at the time and little file servers and computers, networks, things like that, Cisco equipment. And this was, you know, the internet existed obviously back then, but it wasn't what it was today. Small businesses didn't have websites. And as small businesses started hearing more about getting their own websites, they, they, they kind of talked to us. Like we were the people they asked because we were their IT people. We were their computer nerds. Sure. And I think my co-founder Lee and I quickly realized that, all right, this is the future. Like websites were the future. This is a much bigger kind of place for us to grow than the IT stuff at the time for for our interests. So I learned how to code at the time, HTML, CSS, uh, probably not CSS, HTML, table-based stuff, maybe some light JavaScript. Um, and my business partner learned internet marketing, SEO. And that's it. Gone from there, yeah. And so, uh, so how did you guys initially kind of go to market? Then was it? Did you kind of use that existing clientele to kind of start? And then, how did you seek out new? Yeah, at the beginning, we were just high school kids, so friends, family. I think some of our first clients were just you know doing us a favor, and they felt you know they were trying to help out some kids. Uh, but we did a good job, and I think people started telling their like their coworkers and their friends and their colleagues about us. Today, there's a million digital agencies, but back then, it was not actually that easy for a small business to get a website that looked mm-hmm. decent. Um, and then as the business went on, as we got out of high school, we both went to college and we both kind of did the business nights and weekends. We started doing things to 
what I call like authority building. So I started to try to speak at conferences about PCI compliance and other web development matters. My business partner would write articles about marketing. We tried to just get ourselves known in that way. And it, it led to leads. That's awesome. And so what were some of the things that uh, I guess that you guys kind of started doing to innovate and really kind of set yourselves apart at that time? Because I know, yeah, it was definitely a different business back then. I mean, it's been, I mean, 20 years in the technology field <laughs> is like eons, right? I mean, like so That's many right. things happened in the last 20 years. Right. Totally uh, different world. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about those early days and what you guys were, were working with. So in the early days, you know, the, I would say these days, it's hard to to support an agency like we have with like small marketing, three, four page sites. But back then, that was a great business to have. Mm-hmm. There was no Squarespace. There's no Wix. There was none of that back then. So, you know, going to local businesses, you know, about us page, contact page, one or two pages on services, charge a couple thousand dollars. I mean, for us as as high school kids, it was, or even college kids, it was a great business. Um, we started to understand content management systems a little more. We became interested in content management systems and started becoming, trying to become experts in certain CMSs to get leads through that, like companies mm-hmm. that were using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that we always, I guess two things we always did from the beginning. One, we tried to get clients on what we call retainers, like ongoing maintenance contracts. Sure, sure. Because it's so hard to sign. It's so much more expensive and time consuming to sign a new contract than to just continue with an existing site. And we knew that our clients had lots of ideas, they had lots of features, they'd want to build things out. And so if we could be there for them in an ongoing relationship, it would be helpful. And we still do that. It's, you know, over, I think, 40 or 50 or 60% of revenue is retainer in that way. Uh, the other big thing is we tried to, you know, stick to our, make promises and stick to them. And it's so ridiculous, but there's a stereotype of the IT person or the tech person who's not reliable, who forgets about things, mm. doesn't get back to you if they're hard to work with. We never wanted to be that. We would make prospects a, a promise. We would, we'd say we'd get back to a proposal by tomorrow. We got it done by tomorrow. We said we'd call them, we'd call them. And we just honestly set us apart from 90% of our competitors, just follow, keeping our promises. Yeah. What what do you think, uh, as you look back, was one of the kind of early tipping points to towards success for you guys that where you really kind of like, okay, this is it. This is our, this is where we're going. Um, I, <laughs> I think when I, so I, after college, we both got full-time jobs and we were just working on this nights and weekends. Mm. And at some point, a couple years into the full-time job, I was spending more time at my full-time job doing my own business. Like I was, I would book a conference room in my own full-time job to take meetings, not, not physical meetings, but calls with my own clients. And I realized, all right, this is just silly. Why am I even doing this full-time job anymore? When I feel like we're making, we're really getting a lot of business here and we're holding ourselves back. We're not dedicating a hundred percent of our time. Yeah. That was was a big moment. So, so at that point you left your full-time job and then this became, this became your full-time job. This became the full-time job. That's right. Yeah. Now, I noticed that uh, you weren't always called Happy Cog, right? You guys, was this, was what was your original business name? Yeah, so I, so I should clarify that. So the company we founded was called Vector Media Group. And that's mm-hmm. the company name we operated under until about two years ago. Two okay. years ago, we acquired an agency called Happy Cog. Happy Cog is this digital agency. They had been around since 1999, done amazing work. Uh, two or three years ago, we acquired them. And we decided, you know, we love the name Happy Cog. We love its history. So we got rid of the name Vector and now we operate under Happy Cog. 
Okay. Okay. And so tell me a little bit. So that's an interesting, obviously another tipping point, right? Being able to kind of taken on acquisitions. Um, let's let's take a step back and, and talk about how you got to that point then to where you uh, were looking at possibly pulling in other businesses. Like what was part of the decision-making process to, to decide to do that? So there were a couple of things there. You know, first of all, one, we've never taken any outside debt, outside capital. We've never raised money or anything. We've been profitable every month since day one. So we have good cash flow. It was always really important to us. We knew that having good cash flow would give us options. Like it, it helps us when we negotiated our lease, it gives us options. It helps us when we want to do strategic moves like this. Um, we had the opportunity, this acquisition a couple of years ago, we felt like, we always felt like we had really great services and a really great base of work. We never really liked our name. Remember, we're operating under a name that my partner and I came up with as 10th graders. I mean, <laughs> sure. It was, you know, it wasn't a name we loved. And we felt like we had a couple really good specialty services and we had reputate good reputations for those. We felt like Happy Cog was a good, a good, uh, a good addition to that. Like Happy Cog specialized in slightly different things than we did. So we felt like by combining the companies, we could really become truly full service strategically for clients and everything else. Plus we yeah. have a better name. Yeah. Tell me about the process of acquisition then. Like what, how did you find out that it was even available? Like what uh, moves did you have to make and what was the process like bringing on this, these, these new employees and kind of, combining yeah. cultures, I guess, because that's huge. Yeah. So we had been very friendly with the leadership at Happy Cog for a long time. Um, we talked to them about business all the time. And at some point it became clear that they had strengths and we had strengths and they had weaknesses and we had weaknesses and they were very complimentary. You know, our strengths were their weaknesses and vice versa. So at some point it became clear that actually combining the companies could, could be a big help. It wasn't a dramatic process. It wasn't like a you know, we didn't argue, wasn't really tough negotiating. I think, I think after a couple of conversations, we all had an idea of what a fair number. We knew what, what they would think is fair. We thought it was fair. They, they was aligned a little bit of back and forth here and there. Then the legal stuff, you know, we, yeah. we, we basically came to an agreement on the high level numbers probably within a week and then sure. legal stuff took 60 days or something. Um, Cause you know, there's a lot of contracts and all of that. And then and it, it was easy. We closed on Halloween night. I think again, 2017 or 2018. I remember being on the phone. My kids are in their costumes, and I got the note that you know they signed <laughs> it. Um, we announced it to our staff in the next day or two after that. I the the integrating of employees was interesting. I think in some ways it was really easy, and I think in ways that you would ne- that I never expected it was very hard. So a good example of where it was harder than I expected. You know, I never anticipated this, but like you know, we have a GitHub account and they have a GitHub account and we have mm-hmm. Basecamp and they have Basecamp and we have AWS and they have AWS. And there's just all these systems that you don't want to be paying twice for, but all their history is in one, and all our history is in one and you're paying twice and you can't import and export. It sounds so silly, but like as a company, you don't want to be operating with two versions of every system. Mm-hmm. Just that whole thing, figuring out what we we're going to use, integrating them, moving things over. That took quite a while, but team wise, I think it went really, really well. We introduced all their new team members. We had a big all company Zoom. Um, you know, we we brought their team up to our New York offices to kind of meet everybody. We had a couple of days of like conference, like internal conferences, and I think that went really well. I think it still does. And there were a couple of people there who had certain roles and jobs, and you know, they were interested in other kinds of roles and jobs within the new combined company. And so we did a lot of that as well. Uh-huh. 
Tell me about those processes then, the ones that were duplicated between the two companies. Uh, kind of what was what was the solution ultimately? And like how do you what do you do in that situation? I wish I had a, I wish I had a like a magic bullet for this. <laughs> but honestly, what we did was we'd look in both, we'd see which one had less data okay older data and just move that to, to the one with more data gotcha in some, cases, in some cases you can just archive and make it read only and stop paying in some cases you can import export and we reached out oh so the other thing we did was me and my partner me and my partners we reached out to every single happy cloud client individually every single one we, mm. we emailed them we said we understand you love happy cog we want you to know who we are we are not planning on changing the things that make happy cog worse. I'm sorry, changing things that make happy cog great. We're not changing it to make it worse. We want to help that. We, we had phone conversations with every client and we kept every single client through that acquisition. None of them left because we wanted to, we, we really spent a lot of time on that. So, you know, but of course we had to ask them to like log in in different systems and all of that too. And we, we spent about six, eight months doing that. Yeah. Well, that's huge though. I reached out and making that a personal effort to, yeah. to connect. I think that's probably, do you think that helped with the retention? Definitely. I think, I think the employees of Happy Cog were nervous that we would, you know, they, they've, they have these great client relationships that they've sure. built over years. I think they were nervous we were going to do something bad to those. Not because they didn't trust us, but just because things change. Right. So I, I think it helped the clients and the employees feel a lot better that we reached out. We really felt like we were going to care. We didn't try to change everything on day one. I, I didn't want to ruin what was working. I really do think that helped. Yeah. Now you're right. Happy Cog is an interesting name. I, it definitely kind of stuck out when I saw it on my list of people I was going to talk to today. Um, do you know uh, kind of the origins of the name? Like, where did that come from? I do. The co the uh, the founder of Happy Cog, a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Zeldman, he's very well known in the web world. He created a lot of books around modern CSS and everything. Um, he wrote a book, and in that book, or he read a book or something, but in the book, it, it mentioned something to the effect of, you know, do I really want to? do X, Y, and Z, or should I, do I really want to take risks and, and all of that? Or do I just want to be a happy little cog and a happy little machine? <laughs> and uh, I think he thought that was just a good name. And so he made it the name of his company. That's awesome. What, uh, what have you guys kind of done to innovate, I guess, and kind of set yourselves apart throughout the years? Yeah. So I mentioned before, there used to be great business to be had for agencies in these kind of smaller websites, these couple page marketing websites. And there still is for that, but we aren't, you know, we're over 80 people. So we, it's hard for us to have that kind of business just in four or five page small websites. Sure. So we've, we've tried to get into, I would say more and more, more and more complex kind of s solutions for clients. Mm -hmm. Clients have more complex needs. They have more complex business problems. We want to be able to solve that. And then when the bottom dropped out, when Squarespace and Wix and GoDaddy Builder Kind of took over the low end of the market, um, we were positioned okay because we had learned, we had just, we didn't rest on our laurels. We learned, as I said, much more complex frameworks and CMSs. And, and these days people come to us to solve very hard problems that they can't solve in other ways. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is a lot of agencies, they're like very good at design and they say they do development, but they're not really that good at development or they're very good at SEO, but they're not really good at the other stuff. When we say we're full service, we really are. We have a, an amazing development team, an amazing marketing team, an amazing design team, any of which could stand alone. And we, we think that's very unique in the world of agencies because, as I said, nothing's a, a B-level plan for us. Yeah. And you guys are obviously take a great pride in, in having a very 
diverse group of clients, right? You guys work with uh, in higher ed, enterprise, uh, nonprofits, all kinds of different. Tell me a little bit about kind of that diversity of client and how that makes uh, makes you guys a better agency. Yes, it's a, it's a good question. And I mean, that, that definitely has lost us some business in the past. You know, you get emails from prospects in higher ed, for instance, and they say, well, I only want a company that specializes in higher ed. And we, you know, we lose out on that opportunity. But I think we gain a lot of other opportunities from, from having a diversity of clients because, and it's very intentional that we do that because a lot of times things become like standard operating procedure in specific industries. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that because we operate in different industries, we can bring knowledge from other industries to all of our projects and our clients really appreciate it. They feel like we're being more innovative for them because we're bringing them ideas that they just don't get in, in a more insular type world. It, it also helps protect us against like industries failing and going into recession. And obviously we're affected by global things, but hopefully sure. it gives us a little bit less exposure to industry specific issues. Yeah. And so what, what are some, some of the industries that you guys have, have managed to, to work in? Cause it's, it's pretty diverse. I could list them off, but I'll let you do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you said it, we, we work with a lot of higher ed. We work with a lot of nonprofits. We work with a lot of startups, a lot of well-funded startups, you know, you see, you read about and like TechCrunch or TechMeme or whatever else. We work with a lot of those companies, especially on their marketing sites. Um, we work with, you know, a number of fortune 50 companies. We work with tiny little startups that are just starting out. So it's a huge, huge range. Yeah. Oh, and a lot of law firms. And what, what does the future look like then for happy cog? You've you're, you're cruising along now for almost 20 years. You've now gone through a name change and let me ask, actually, let me ask you this first. Um, part of that acquisition obviously was taking on that new name. And I noticed on your LinkedIn, like it says previously known as, tell me a little bit about the challenges of kind of like trying to get the word out that this is, you're a new comp, a new name, but the same company. How, tell me a little bit about the challenges now you overcame that. It's hugely challenging. And you're right on LinkedIn. I have, as you said, formerly Vector Media Group, and maybe it's, maybe it's been enough time with that. Maybe I could take that off. I'm not sure, but we were very nervous about that. We felt like we had built up a good name with Vector. Like even though we didn't love the name, we felt like we'd built up a good reputation. Sure. And, you know, we started with our clients and we just sent a mass email and we kind of told them it was happening. And, but that, that was easy. We talked to our clients regularly. The bigger issue is prospects that like mm-hmm. you land on the Vector site. What will they know? If they hear about Happy Cog, what will they know? And we ended up putting out a bunch of um, like paid ads on social media and and search like Google and Bing around searching for Vector Media Group, we're now Happy Cog, like things like that to try to help with some of those okay. search terms. Uh, we put up a like a banner and a pop-up on our old site, which again is still up and maybe, you know, it's time to take that down. I'm not sure. It's been a couple <laughs> of years. And we just kind of operate under the belief that, you know, our work, st- we, our work speaks for us. And if our, if our work, if we're doing great work under the happy cog name, then hopefully those people will find us that way too, especially with some proactive moves. Yeah. And what does the future look like now for happy cog? Yeah. So, you know, we don't have specific employee number goals. We don't necessarily have, we don't necessarily judge ourselves on how many employees we are. We judge ourselves on, are we profitable? That's really important. We want to be profitable. <laughs> as I said, so we have options. <laughs> are employees happy? Are our clients happy? And the way I think of it is that our clients, they need to hire somebody. They're putting their faith in us. They are 
probably spending some political capital internally to kind of choose a vendor. And we want to prove to them that they made the right decision. And every dollar they spend with us and give us, we want to make sure that in some way we're offering more than that back to them in value, whether it's yeah. through specifically, you know, an ROI or just a better brand or a better website or better integration. So to me, that's our North Star. Are we offering value to our clients? Are our clients happy? Are our employees happy? Are we profitable? If so, I'm good. I don't need a specific employee count. Awesome. Well, before we go, I want to give you a chance to let everybody know like where they can find you and and your website, things like that. Sure. So our website is happycog, that's H-A-P-P-Y-C-O-G.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn as, as happycog as well. I'm Matt Weinberg. I'm MRW on Twitter, but yeah, just happycog.com, H-A-P-P-Y-C-O-G. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story with us. It's really good. Thanks for having me, Jeff. All right. And thank you for listening to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arkalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.